This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, July 14th, 2014. I'm Caleb Brown. The influx of unaccompanied minors into the United States poses a humanitarian crisis for the children affected. Alex Narasta, a policy analyst at the Cato Institute, evaluates some options available to U.S. policymakers. So the unaccompanied minors coming across the border uh, is sort of a recent surge. It began in 2012. Between 2012 and 2013, it increased by about 50%. And we expected this year to double over what it was last year. So eventually to be between somewhere around 70 to 90,000 unaccompanied minors coming across the border. In historical context, it's quite an increase in the numbers of unaccompanied children, uh, especially coming unlawfully. But compared to stage migration, compared to the way that people typically come to this country, uh, legally and illegally, it's not that abnormal to see kids coming on their own. You know, oftentimes the parents come first or one parent, they set up shop, they get a job, they get a place to live, they figure out the new society, and they send for their family a year or two or three down the line. So part of this is just normal family reunification that we see with other immigrant groups. It's just that in this context, it's illegal um, immigration, and there a lot of them are, be, are being brought by smugglers. And what countries are these children coming from? So the big surge has been from Honduras, El Salvador, and Guatemala. Um, there are some unaccompanied child migrants from Mexico who are coming over, but those numbers are down over the last five years, and they're treated differently under the law. Okay, why is that? Mexican children are treated differently under a 2008 law that deals with uh, trafficker trafficking victims, um, so a lot of children, for, for example. And they, uh, the U.S. government has an agreement with Mexican authorities to return children automatically without any kind of due process or anything like that. So they ship them back over the border into the Mexican government's arms. But the U.S. government treats, other than Mexican and Canadian unaccompanied minors uh, very differently. There is a whole process where they are detained by Border Patrol. If there is any kind of inkling that they might have been trafficked or anything uh, of that nature, uh, which these kids by and large are, then they're sent to Health and Human Services for uh, within 72 hours, and then they are charged with placing them in the United States with either a parent, a legal guardian, uh, an adult male rel- or adult, adult relative, or foster homes in the United States. So these non-Mexicans and non-Canadians are treated differently. How does the number of unaccompanied minors coming to the United States, how does that compare to other uh, illegal immigrants coming to the United States. So it's a pretty small proportion of it. Uh, if you take a look, I mean, just to give you an example, uh, this year, 70 to 90,000 of these unaccompanied children could come in. Um, compared to the high point of unauthorized immigration in the mid-2000s and mid-1990s, you were seeing about 1.8 million apprehensions per year. Apprehensions. Apprehensions. So we don't know. And, and the thing to keep in mind is these kids are apprehended. So this is not Border Patrol missing them and escaping. These are people who are actually apprehended. So this is Border Patrol immigration enforcement in action. So as a total of the number of unauthorized immigrants who could come in this this year, by the end of the year, these children could make up um, 20%, maybe 25% of the total, which is quite a high percentage of the total amount. But it's important to keep in mind that illegal immigration is way down from its high points. How the United States deals with this, I think, reflects very broadly on the willingness of the United States to deal with uncomfortable problems. There is, there remains a very vocal, angry, small minority uh, in the Republican Party that would uh, treat these children 
probably more harshly than just about anybody else would in, in the United States. So what is your view of how uh, the U.S. should deal with this going forward? Well, I think the most important thing right now is to remove these bottlenecks in health and human services that slow down the process of placing these kids with families in the United States. So getting them out of government detention, getting them out of these jails, essentially, is what they are, and getting them uh, out of government custody, I think, is the most important thing that can be done in the short run. Going forward, long term, the important thing is uh, to basically deregulate and increase the lawful immigration possibilities for people like this going forward. I mean, a lot of the people coming here are reuniting with their families. They are their families here are illegal immigrants from Central America. Um, and the reason why they're reuniting is because they can't go back home. If they go back home, then they're probably not going to be able to get back in to work again eventually. So they decided to settle here. If there was a guest worker visa, they could there could be a circular flow back and forth. There would be no need to send their families up here to reunite with them. Um, and if it was legal, and if these people still wanted to send their families up, they could do it through the legal process. But unfortunately, right now, there is no lawful way for these kids to come. They are doing right now the only thing that is available to them, which is showing up at the border, oftentimes being smuggled by a human trafficker and asking for asylum, which is the only way open to them. If there was another way, there would be they would take advantage of those options. So legal status for people who are already here is part of the solution. Absolutely. It's giving legal status to the current, their family members here, and then allowing them to sponsor their family members coming forward on green cards or work permits is a great way to take the middleman, the human trafficker out of this to make sure that these kids don't go into government detention and to make sure that any of the other potential harms that could happen to them, like dying in the desert or getting abused by human traffickers, doesn't occur. We've seen a surge from just a few countries just in recent years, which has driven the, the total number uh, way up in just a couple of years. Why is that the case? So we see a surge from El Salvador, Honduras, and Guatemala because those countries have extremely high homicide and violent rates, rates of violence, especially compared to the United States. Um, so that's a one big reason why a lot of these migrants are coming now and why they aren't coming from countries like Nicaragua, which have a very low homicide rate uh, compared to these other countries. Honduras is considered to be one of the most violent places on Earth. Yeah, it has a homicide rates uh, around, I believe it's uh, 20 to 25 times higher than what it is in the United States uh, right now. And everyone complains about the United States being a violent country. So you can just imagine uh, the, the chaos that this breeds down there. One of the other explanations given for this surge is that the United States changed its laws to make it easier for child migrants to come, to become legalized, and basically gave the impression to the people in Central America that if they came here, if their kids came here, they would be legalized and there would be a free pass. I think there is an element of truth to that. I think that certainly encourages some of it. But according to a UN survey that was conducted last year of unaccompanied minors, only nine out of 404 mentioned U.S. law or U.S. legal change or anything similar to that as a reason for why they were coming. Most of them mentioned violence in their home countries. Most of them mentioned family reunification. And some mentioned uh, economic opportunity. So it's certainly true that U.S. laws have probably encouraged some of it, but it's by far the smallest explanation for the recent surge. Alex Narasta is a policy analyst at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.